0: Hey and welcome to this podcast by Chestnut Mountain Church, located in Flower Branch, Georgia, where our mission is to saturate the world with the good news. We invite you to check out our website at chestnutmountain.org and follow us on social on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chestnutmtn underscore to learn more about who we are. There are also video episodes located on our YouTube channel along with other content not on this podcast. This episode features a sermon replay from yesterday's message and our current In the Word series as we journey through the book of Colossians. Let's take a listen.
1: We're going to really, really focus on this word being full and being filled. Because what we're going to read today is that is the very thing that Paul was praying for the Colossian church, is he wanted them to be full. Now, obviously not full of Brookton Catfish School or Beef Corral, but what we're gonna do is look at what his prayer was for them to be full of. So if you've got your Bible, I want you to turn to Colossians chapter one, and we're gonna start reading in verse nine. We're gonna start reading in verse nine, and hopefully we're gonna make it through about verse 12 today. But verse nine, Paul says this. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you. Remember what Paul's heard of is he's heard of all the work that God is doing in this small town church. He's heard that God is absolutely turning this town upside down because of this little church. But what I love about Paul is we get a a glimpse right here of just his character and his heart. His heart that he had for people. Because keep in mind, he's writing this letter from prison. And so I don't know about you, but if I'm locked up in prison, The last people I'm gonna be praying for are the people outside the prison. I'm gonna be praying, God, get me out of here. God, get me out of this prison. And all of my prayers, I find a lot of times in my life, are very self-absorbed. I usually have my prayer life, and it has the consistent, when I use the word I, I use the word me, I use the word us, but that is not at all who Paul was. And Paul was not just praying. He wasn't praying for their physical well-being. He constantly prayed for the spiritual well being of the people. And so that's what we just get a glimpse into, into Paul's prayer life. We see his selfless heart and that he knew that the spiritual realm trumps that of the physical realm because he was praying for their spiritual well being. Let's keep going on in verse nine. And then he says this He says, And I ask, and, and to ask that you may be filled, there's that word, that you may be filled. With the knowledge of his will and all the spiritual wisdom and understanding. That word filled, if you were to break it down, and and I think we all kind of have an idea of the word filled and what it means. But what it means in the phrases that it was kind of in the translation is is it talks about being filled to be full. Then it goes on to expand a little bit more. I love this. Fill so nothing shall be wanted. Feel so nothing shall be wanted. So remember, Paul is praying, I am praying that you are filled with the knowledge, the wisdom, and the understanding of God so that you will not want anything else. Because if you remember in the context that we introduced chapter one last week, if you remember what we talked about, a lot's going on in that church. The church is exploding. And what we mentioned last week is how the enemy wants to stop the work of the church. And we talked about how if he can't stop it from the outside, the enemy's gonna do everything he can to get on the inside and stop the work of what God is doing from the inside out. We recognize that last year, 2020, the enemy tried everything he could to stop the church from the outside. But we saw, we see that in these waters every week, the enemy lost. The enemy lost. But what we must be careful of as a church is that while God is doing a great work here, while the enemy didn't stop us from the outside, what we have to do is be sensitive and protect what's going on inside the church. Because the enemy, with with more people coming, with more personalities coming, with more opinions coming, we've got to be careful that we protect the teachings of God's Word. Because if the enemy can't stop us from the outside, he's going to try to get on inside. And so Paul is praying, I'm praying for you as a new believer that your mind will be filled with the knowledge, the wisdom, and the understanding of who God is, so there won't be any room for anything else. And so Paul knew that if their minds were full of the knowledge, wisdom, and understanding of God, that there was a less chance that the false teachings could get into the church and could take root and grow. And he knew that if we as followers of Christ that the Colossian church, he knew that if their mind was full of God, that there was going to be no room left over for the lies that the enemy wants to tell them to take root and to grow. Because you do know that the enemy's a liar. He's a deceiver. That is how he works. And so Paul knew that even all through the scriptures, we see so many places, and I'm only going to read a few today, but we see so many places where the focus is put on the protection of our mind, that where we're having to take guard, we're having to be sober, we're having to be alert, because the enemy knows that if he can find one idle spot, if he can find one crack into your mind, that that's exactly where he wants to get to plant those seeds of the lies so that they will grow, and when there's filled with lies, then there's no room for the truth. And so that as a believer is what we've gotta make sure. What are we filling our minds with? And the importance of the mind. You don't have to turn there. I'm gonna read some of these references and I just want you to write the references down and, and, and just go back and read them later. But you're gonna see the importance of the mind. Romans chapter 12, verse two, Paul writes the very thing about the mind. He says, and do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Then in 1 Peter chapter two, in 1 Peter, or chapter one, I'm sorry. In 1 Peter chapter one, verse 13, Peter writes the very same thing. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit, fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Then we go back to the prophet Isaiah. And and many of you have probably heard this scripture. But in in Isaiah, God speaks to him in, in chapter 41. I'm sorry, in chapter 26, verse three, that's later. Chapter 26, verse three. Listen to what the prophet Isaiah writes. He says here, The steadfast of mind you will keep in perfect peace because he trusts in you. The steadfast of your mind. And then in Colossians 3, chapter three, verse two, which I'm sure you're gonna be hearing about that verse later on in the upcoming weeks because we're walking through this book. But in chapter three, verse two, it says, set your mind on the things above, not on the things of this earth. So you say, well, Brian, that's an awful lot of references to the mind. That's how important our mind is. Because you know why the mind is important? Because the enemy knows if Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life, that he can't get to your heart. You are sealed in the palm of the Father till the day of redemption. So if he can't have your heart, he's going to attack the mind. And that is why, according to God's word, we've got to make sure how we're protecting our mind. What is your mind filled with? I want you to write this down. To be filled with something is to be controlled by something. To be filled with something is to be controlled by something. Whatever your mind is filled with, that very thing is what is gonna control you. Whatever your mind is filled with it is what will control your thoughts. It'll control your words. It'll control your actions. And it will control your emotions. Whatever your mind is filled with, is what will control you. I think back, I know for a long time I was in student ministry and it was a, the joyous weekend of Disciple Now weekend and I was hosting a home and, and I think I had, I think it was middle school boys at my house for, for, for that weekend. And I remember one young man, he wanted to ride the golf cart. And I told him, I said, look, dude, that golf cart's out of gas. Leave it alone. So he took it upon himself. He was going to fix it. And so instead of putting gas in it, he went out and found the, the closest can. And he filled it full of diesel fuel. So therefore, the golf cart was filled with something that didn't belong there. And as it filled it, it didn't operate in which the way that it was created to operate. It was spitting. It was sputtering. It was smoking. And finally, it just died out. But you know what I had to do in order to resurrect that thing is I had to empty it of everything that did not belong and feed it what it was meant to be fed. You see, that's exactly what some of us need to do today with our minds is we need to empty the lies, we need to empty the junk and allow the knowledge and the wisdom and understanding of the truth of God's word to fill us. Because you see, the same way when our minds are filled with lies, there's no room for the truth. But the beauty of it is, when our mind is filled with the truth, then there's no room for the lies. So what are we filled with? What are we filling our minds with? Because you see, this new creation that Paul is talking to, these new believers that he's talking to, he knew That in their being born again, they were now created only for the truth of God. That was what they were created for. They were created to be fed the truth of God's word, not the lies. Now, I can't can't move past this until we spend some time here. And I'm just going to be real honest with you. We're kind of going to get very personal here. Because I have to ask the question, in reference to the context of what Paul is is speaking to the Colossian church about, things are going great. These false teachings are trying to to weasel their way in to drive dissension in the church, to bring doubt in these new believers' minds, to introduce them to new experiences. And so he's warning them of what's taking place in their context. He's, not, he's wanting them to protect their mind from these false teachings. So I had to ask the question, if Paul was writing us a letter right now, what, what would Paul mention? What would he want us to be aware of? What would he want us to protect ourselves from? And I think Paul would address the very same thing to us that he's addressing in this letter. Because you see, the truth of God's word never, never changes. We've gotta continue to protect our mind. We've gotta continue to protect what the enemy is trying to attack. So we've got to protect our thoughts. We've got to learn to recognize when the devil is lying to all of us. And so I think Paul would ask us, what are you feeding yourself through the world of media? And I'm not just talking about news media. I'm talking about news media and social media alike. And you know and I'm really not all that concerned. I'll be careful how we word that because I am concerned. But it's not really what we're seeing and hearing on the media. It's not really what we're hearing and seeing that really concerns me. But what does concern me is the condition of our minds when we hear it and we see it. Because I know that through Christ, I am more than a conqueror. I know that whatever I face, I can overcome because of the spirit living in me. But the question we have to ask ourselves is what condition is our mind in when we look at the news media? What condition is our mind in when we're looking at social media? And if we're all just real honest, I think we can identify in most cases the condition of our mind when we look at the news and when we look at social media. Because most of the time when we do it is first thing in the morning. We wake up first thing in the morning and the first thing we grab off the nightstand is that cell phone. What happened last night in the world of Facebook? What did somebody tweet out over midnight? I I need to know that. Or you stumble out of the bed and you make your way in the kitchen and get the coffee started and you walk by and you turn the TV on to whatever your favorite news network is. But the reality of that is, for most of us, in that moment of time, we're barely awake. Our mind is not engaged. I can promise you that our mind is not filled with the knowledge and wisdom and understanding of God. Because in that moment of time, we're trying to wake up physically, mentally, spiritually. It's all trying to wake up. We're trying to shake out all of the cobwebs from the night. So the thing that we know is our brain's not engaged and we're not woke up. And I can promise you, we are not on guard. You see, we're in an idle position, just like your vehicle. We can crank it up, it's ready to go. Drive means go forward, reverse means go backwards. But if it's an idle, it's not going anywhere and there's really nothing happening. And for the large majority of all of us in this room, when we wake up in the morning, our minds are on idle. And let me warn you that an idle mind is the devil's playground. An idle mind is the devil's playground. And when we're idle, we're not at all how Peter challenged us to be. First Peter 5, 8, I know I've been reading that verse like the, for the last three or four weeks in a row, but we're gonna read it again. 1 Peter 5.8, I'll read it for you for the sake of time, but we see here, he warns us to be sober spirit, be of sober spirit. Be on alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. He warns us to be sober, which means to be calm, which means to be of a collected spirit. But then he also tells us to be alert. To be alert means to be cautious, And I love what it expands on when it says, to be paying strict attention to. Be paying strict attention to. The reason that Peter is warning us to be sober and to be alert is because the enemy is looking for that idle spot. The enemy is looking for that area of your life that you're not on guard. The enemy's looking for that spot in your life where you're not of sober mind. And he is trying to weasel his way in because he knows that if he can fill your mind full of lies, that there will be no room for the truth. And church, this is why Peter is so passionate about telling us to be sober, to be alert. And so listen, I can go ahead and tell you right now, I'll go ahead and tell you how it ends. You wake up tomorrow morning with a mind that's not sober, with a mind that's not alert, with a mind that's not on guard, you go in your living room, turn the news on, and watch the news, and I will promise you, it is guaranteed fear. It is guaranteed fear, because you see, the media world wants you as a follower of Christ, wants me as a follower of Christ to live in fear, because they think if they can cause us to be fearful, then it paralyzes the movement of God. So I will go ahead and tell you, if your mind's not ready, If you're not sober, if you're not alert, I'll go ahead and tell you when you turn the news on in the morning, you will be fearful. Because let's just be honest, there's not a whole lot of good news. But here's what we've got to recognize with the knowledge, the wisdom, and understanding of God. If there is an emotion of fear, it is a lie. Did you hear me? If you are fearful of anything, it is is a lie because the God I serve in his word promises me that I will not give you a spirit of fear. So if it's fear, recognize it for what it is. It's a lie from the pits of hell. And if you wake up in the morning, you turn the news feed on, you will be fearful. But what you have to do is recognize it for a lie. Isaiah 41.10, here's some truth. Here's some truth, and you've all heard this passage probably a thousand times, but Isaiah 41.10, we read right here, do not fear. Do not fear, I am with you. Do not anxiously look at the news. Do not anxiously look at your social media feed. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and I will surely help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. It doesn't say that when we turn the news on that it's all gonna be good news. But it does tell us as believers, as the church, when we turn on it and hear the bad news, we have no reason to fear because the Lord God I serve is with me. He's with you. Therefore, we do not fear. Joshua 1.9, one that we always hear. I have, not, have I not commanded you? Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. If it's fear, it's a lie. And remember, if we're filled with lies, there's no room for truth. But if we're filled with truth, then there's no room for lies. So if you open up the news, it's almost guaranteed fear. Wake up tomorrow morning when you're not sober, when you're not alert, when you're not on guard, and open your social media feed. You're almost guaranteed to face temptation You're almost guaranteed to face the emotion and the feelings of jealousy. You're almost guaranteed to have seeds of insecurities birthed in every one of your minds. If you're not on guard, if you're not sober and you're not alert. Now to even take it a step more personal, and some of you may be mad at me for this, but I love you enough that I don't care. I want to talk specifically to husband and wives. Here's a news flash. Husbands and wives they fight. That's where you can say amen or, or unless y'all unless my home's the only one. <laughs> so, okay, finally got one. We'll meet together and we can counsel each other after because we're the only messed up people in this congregation. (laughs) Husbands and wives argue. Husbands and wives don't get along all the time. Husbands and wives get bitter. Husbands and wives get angry. And in those emotions of being angry, you recognize the anger You recognize the frustration, but can I tell you, you remember the devil who prowls around like a roaring lion? He also knows that you're angry. He also knows that you're mad. He also knows that you're frustrated at your spouse right now. And so you go jump on social media with a mind that's not sober, a mind that's not alert, a mind that's not on guard. And you know what the enemy's gonna do? He's gonna dangle every temptation right in front of you. Whether it's an old relationship And you dangle that old relationship and you're thinking back to whenever it was, you know what, I bet they would understand what I'm going through. So I'm just gonna reach out to them. You're not sober, you're not alert, you ain't thinking right because the enemy is lying to you and he is telling you that there's comfort there. He's telling you that they can relate to you there. But I can tell you right now, he is lying to you and he is wanting to destroy your home because when our mind is filled with lies, there's no room for the truth. Men, you better stand on guard. When you look at social media, your mind better be sober, it better be alert, and it better better be ready to recognize a lie for what it is. Be careful. Maybe you're here this morning and to all the single men and women. Maybe you've had a breakup. Maybe you've walked through a divorce. Or maybe you haven't had a date in months. You're down on yourself. You're thinking, will it ever happen? Can anybody love me for who I am? I want it so bad. Why is it not happening? You jump on social media with a, a mind that's not sober and a mind that's not alert. And what the enemy is gonna show you is every perfect relationship under the sun. He's gonna show you every attractive man or woman under the sun. And you're gonna be enticed by temptation because the enemy knows what your flesh desires. The enemy knows what you want. He's gonna show you everything that seems perfect under the sun, and if he can fill your head with the lies, he knows that there's no room for the truth. Now to teenagers, and I'll try not to get tore up here, but young men, maybe you as a teenager, we got most of our students sitting together right here in a group that looks so good, But as a teenage boy, a teenage young man, maybe you've had a bad day. Maybe she dumped you. Maybe you missed the last shot. Maybe you failed the test that day. And in that moment, as you begin to feel this way, as you begin to to cross over every hurdle of failure as a young man, The enemy crawls up on your shoulder and he tells you that you're worthless, you'll never be good enough, and you're weak. Because he knows if he can fill your head with the lies, that there's no room for the truth. But what I want to tell you is I want to tell you the truth. I wanna tell you the truth. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16, Paul writes here and he says, in addition to all, taking up your shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Amen. All those flaming arrows are the lies from the pits of hell that the enemy wants you to believe about yourself. So young men, when you begin to feel like a failure, when you begin to feel worthless, when you begin to feel like you're not good enough, that you'll never amount to anything, you pick up the shield of faith and you you shield off all of those lies that the enemy is throwing at you, that you are no good, that you are worthless. Because what I know about you as a young man, if you are saved by the grace of God, you are a warrior for the kingdom. You are more than conquerors through Christ who gives you strength. You are not more than conquerors through your social media identity. You are more than conquerors because of who Christ is in you. It's not your social status. It's not the athlete that you think you are. It's not how smart you are. It's not that you have the the hottest girlfriend on the planet. Because you're in high school. It probably ain't going to last anyway. I hate to break your heart, but it's where we're at. Got an amen in the corner. He got his heart broken in high school. (laughs) Sorry, I don't know who that was, but I'm sure I'll get a note of that one after church. Dang it. (laughs) I wasn't sober or on alert, dang it. So young men, you are warriors. Young ladies, maybe you've had a breakup. Maybe you've gained two pounds. Maybe that zip popped up on your face on picture day. The enemy's gonna tell you you're ugly. The enemy's gonna tell you you'll never get married. The enemy's gonna tell you that you're not thin enough. The enemy's gonna tell you that you're not good enough, the enemy's gonna tell you that you're not beautiful enough. Because if he can fill your mind with the lies, there's no room for the truth. And as a dad of a young, soon to be teenage daughter, Psalms 139. Here's the truth. As David writes, you formed me in my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works and my soul knows it very well. So teenage girl, when the enemy tells you you're not good enough, you remind him of the truth. You are fearfully and wonderfully made just the way God created you. And your value is not found in likes and comments and shares on social media. Your identity is found because I know the one who created you. I know you're beautiful because the God I serve doesn't make mistakes. And to challenge you dads right now, because I need to be challenged. Your job is to tell your daughter she's beautiful. Your job is to grab that daughter's hand And you remind her that she's the most beautiful thing on the planet. Because if she doesn't hear it from you, she's going to hear it from somebody else. And I sure don't want it to be the enemy. Because if he can fill us with the lies, there's no room for the truth. You know, maybe you're an adult here right now. Maybe you're an adult in the room and some of the struggles that we've talked about that teenagers have, you're walking through them right now. Maybe you're an adult that doesn't feel pretty enough. Maybe you're an adult that doesn't feel thin enough. Maybe you're an adult that doesn't feel successful enough. Maybe you're an adult that feels like a failure. Maybe you're an adult that your week has been terrible and the enemy has crawled up on your shoulder all week and told you you're worthless, you're never gonna amount to anything. Can I tell you to look at him right in the eyes and you say, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm not defined by my successes. I'm not defined by my failures. I am defined by the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. That's who defines me. My value is not found here. Our value is not found in our worldly circumstances and our worldly conditions. So I hope you can all recognize that this is the importance of us being filled with the truth. This is why it is so important for us to fill our minds with the knowledge and the wisdom and understanding of God. This is the very reason that we stand here every single week and we preach the Bible. Because I know that I don't have the words that can fill your mind enough that the enemy won't lie to you. That's not in me. I don't have that authority, I don't have that power, but I know where it's at. It's the truth in this word. And the more we fill our minds with this truth, there's no room for the lies. So this is why we preach the Bible. This is why we encourage you to be in a small group. It's not just so that we can check a box that our small groups are growing. I love you enough that I want you to be growing in the word of God. This is the very reason that this past Thursday morning, just a quick plug right here. Our men gathered in this room at six o'clock in the morning to open God's word. We walked through Colossians chapter 1, verses one through eight, to show how little faith I have told Chase, we need 50 biscuits. Not everybody got a biscuit (laughs) because we had between 60 and 70 men show up that were hungry for the word of God. Because we know that if we can leave here on a Thursday morning filled with the knowledge and the wisdom and understanding of God, we are ready for war. We're ready to recognize what's a lie. Because what we can understand is this. The truth is the living and the breathing word of God. That is what the truth is. It's not some quote of the day. It's not some inspirational picture But the truth is the power of God's word. The living and the breathing word of God is the way in which we are filled with the knowledge, the wisdom, and the understanding. Paul has such a desire for the Colossians to be filled with the truth, so that there won't be any room for the lies. It's that simple. That's why he's praying. Be filled with the truth. Because you know, at salvation, at salvation, there was a new spirit that came to reside in us, and it's the Holy Spirit of an almighty God, and that spirit living in us is now hungry for the bread of life, and the more we feed the Holy Spirit living in us, the bread of life in which it was created to consume, the more we feed it, the more to life that spirit comes And so as a follower of Jesus Christ, that spirit living in me, my responsibility is continue to feed it the truth of God's word so that the spirit in me comes to life. And the more it comes to life, the more I learn to die to who my flesh is. But it only happens through the transformation of the power of God's word. It only happens through the power of God's word as we feed this spirit It grows. And remember what we said earlier. What you're filled with controls you. What you're filled with controls you. And we see that in verses 10 through 12. And this is kind of where we'll land today. Colossians chapter 1. And then I want you to look at verses 10 through 12 with me. Colossians chapter one, verses 10 through 12. He says this, as a result of being filled, I'll paraphrase the first few verses. Verse 10, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power, According to his glorious might, for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints. There is so much in those three verses alone that we could spend the next month. But for the sake of time, I can't help but to notice the adjectives in which Paul uses to to describe the results of feeding the spirit that lives in him. He says, I'm praying that you will be full so that you will please God in all respects, so that you are bearing fruit in every good work, so that you are strengthened with all power, And so that you are attaining all steadfastness, patience, joy, and thanksgiving. Do you see the word all, all, every, every, all, all? What Paul wants these new believers to understand is that all they are searching for, all they are created for is found in Christ Jesus. All that we are longing for is found in Christ Jesus. He is the only one who satisfies. And what he's telling them, because remember these false teachings are introducing to these new believers all these new experiences, all these new add-ons. And what Paul is saying is, look, stop looking for new experiences and just look deeper into what you had from the beginning. Stop looking beyond the gospel. Because you do know that we as the church can never go past the gospel. We can only go deeper into it. So we read about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1, where Paul encourages them again, just pursue love. Pursue love. It's okay to desire the spirits of the or the, the fruits of the spirit, or it's okay to desire the, the gifts of the spirits, rather. But he said, but number one, pursue love. So what we've got to quit trying to do is quit pursuing platforms, quit pursuing prestige, quit pursuing some new experiences, and you just pursue God. You pursue Christ for who He is. And the more we pursue Christ, then He's going to reveal those spiritual gifts. He's going to reveal spiritual fruits. He's going to give you your direction. But it's all because we're simply pursuing who He is. Stop looking for new experiences and just go deeper into what you had from the beginning. Because he knows that if we go deeper into the gospel, he knows that if we are filled with the knowledge and the wisdom and understanding of God, he knows that not only does it fill us, but it transforms us. You see, as we're filled with God, as we're filled with this knowledge, with this wisdom and this understanding, obedience goes hand in hand. Obedience goes hand in hand because I love what Peter even writes. Peter even writes, as we grow in knowledge, we grow in grace. As we grow in knowledge, we grow in grace. Meaning the more we grow in the knowledge and the wisdom and understanding of God, the more we extend who God is to others. The more we show grace, the more we extend grace. The more we love the way that he loves us. So as we grow in knowledge, we grow in grace. And so therefore, as we grow in all of this knowledge, this wisdom, and this understanding, we also grow in our works for who God's created us to be. Because you see, the work we do, listen to this, the work that we do is the outflow of the life we have. The work we do is the outflow of the life that we have. And that life we have is found in Christ. And that life we have is Growing in the knowledge, wisdom, and understanding of who God has created us to be. So, if we had to sum up these four verses that we've looked at this morning, so we can sort of put bookends just on this little bitty section of Colossians chapter 1, here's how we would summarize it: Walking with Him reveals His wisdom, His wisdom reveals His will. His will leads to work and His work produces His fruit. Walking with Him reveals His wisdom. His wisdom reveals His will. His will leads to work and His work produces His fruit. So our walking with Him Our growing in our knowledge and our wisdom of understanding is going to produce fruit. It's going to produce fruit. But what are we filling ourselves with? Are we filling it with this transformational power of the Word of God? Or are we filling it with the lies of the enemy?
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you made a decision, or if you have any questions about salvation or anything about this Christian journey, one of our pastors would love to connect with you. So to connect and find out what your next steps are, go to our website at chestnutmountain.org slash next steps, and there will be a form for you to fill out so one of our pastors can connect with you. We also want you to do three things right now. Number one, leave a review on this podcast. Tell us what you think, and also a review allows us to reach even more people. Number two, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already so you don't miss an episode during the week. And number three, we want you to go check out our Chestnut Mountain Church YouTube channel. So maybe there's some visuals in this episode that you couldn't see but wanted to see, and that's why we have video versions of these episodes along with other content not featured on this podcast right now on our YouTube channel. Lastly, we invite you to join us live for worship on Sunday mornings in person at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or online at 1045 as well. Learn more about us on our website at chestnutmountain.org. And don't forget to follow us on social at chestnutmtn underscore for more encouragement and to see all what God is doing in and through CMC. We love you. We're praying for you. And we'll see you next time.